0: Hey everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Saber Talk podcast. It's December nineteenth, two thousand sixteen, and we're coming back at you after about a ten day hiatus. So we do have four games to talk about tonight. How's everything been going, Josh?
1: Uh doing great, Mark. Uh, just been enjoying the winter season down here in Western New York, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. How about for yourself?
0: Yeah, I've been enjoying the uh, the beautiful winter weather of North Dakota. Uh, we had our coldest day of the year so far on on saturday it reached down to negative 40 over negative 40 in Woo! wind chill so that was pretty fun but it's back up to pretty normal temperatures now so so no complaints from my end oh, cool cool i'm enjoying i'm enjoying it this is the best time of the year yeah you can always uh you can always sit inside and watch pretty much any sport you want on tv this is that time of year when you've got three professional sports leagues going so yeah and no complaints from me either. Cool, cool. Well, uh, yeah, and the Sabres
1: have been playing uh, pretty well, too. Um, not not exactly where we want them to be, but th- these last four games have been uh, somewhat encouraging, I would say.
0: Yeah, it's been continued up and down for them, really, where you, you start to think they might be turning the corner. Then they come out, they have a dud of a performance. They're still not very fun to watch, uh, but... I'll take what I can get, and it has been an improvement since the beginning of the year, and they're now kind of in that mix. They have the exact same record as Toronto. I wouldn't call them in the playoff race, but they're kind of in that whole next mess of teams where they could conceivably, with a run, be right back in that mix. So I guess I'll get right into talking about the the results of these four games, and we can jump into it, because I know that you are pressed on time, so we want to make sure we pack as much into... As little time as possible.
1: Yes, I am broadcasting from the taproom kitchen right now. Um, it's pretty cold in here. I got my ski
0: jacket on. That's what they call dedication, folks. <laughs> so, the Sabres first on Friday, so that was the night of the last time that we recorded a podcast, came out with a pretty disappointing performance, lost 4-1 to one to the Capitals. Uh, the Sabers' lone goal was scored by Kylo Poso. Assisted by Ristaline and O'Reilly, and that wasn't a fun game to watch. It was pretty much Capitals domination start to finish, I would say, and uh, there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of good to take out of out of that performance. The Sabers came out next on Tuesday the 13th, played the Kings and took advantage of poor goaltending and actually scored six goals, which I didn't know this team was capable of, Ooh. but uh, they won six to three. Nice to beat a good team. Like I said, though, it was really taking advantage of poor goaltending. Jack Eichel was the story in this game, had two goals and an assist. Uh, Kyle Poso had two assists, or had had, had three, three assists, yeah. actually. Yeah, Matt Molson had two assists. Um, kind, of a, kind of a team effort. Everybody got involved. Ristolainen also had two assists. Slow uh, start to the so game, yeah, there was. I mean, the goals really came out in bunches. There wasn't as it wasn't as full scoring start to finish as you would expect from a game with nine goals.
1: Yeah, I think uh, there was four goals in about six minutes in that game, actually. So uh, yeah, that sounds pretty about right. pretty fast, exciting stuff at least to see.
0: Also, crazy that none of those goals were scored on the power play either. They were all even strength goals in that game. So you don't see that too much in today's NHL with. I know one of them was an empty net goal, but all nine goals were even strength.
1: Yeah, and especially, you said not in the NHL, but especially just with the Sabres.
0: <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, I, I probably would have bet money that they would not score six even strength goals in a single game all year. And I think that would have been a pretty safe bet to take prior to that game. But, hey, we'll take it. Sometimes you need a, a bad goaltending night to start to see that puck go into the net and get some momentum. Oh, yeah. So then the Sabres oh. came out, um, won 3-2 to two in overtime on a, on a Ristolainen goal. Johan Larson and Matt Molson had the other two goals in that game. Ristolainen also added an assist. Uh, so Ristolainen continued his, his offensive dominance. And that was a game where the Sabres came out, started very slow, and I was pretty shocked. They really turned on the Jets, and uh, I'd say about the second half of the game, and were able to take that. In overtime, And
1: no suspension on the Johnny Boychuk hit on the boarding call on Jack Eichel. Uh, Pretty scary play right there. It definitely got me out of my uh, couch and yelling at my walls in my apartment.
0: Definitely. That's one of the maddening things about the NHL is you see plays like that and you see them happen with other teams and they tend to result in suspensions. I'm fine with it as long as it's consistent across the board, but I mean I've seen – I've seen lesser hits than that result in at least a fine, some sort of supplementary, uh, supplementary discipline. But when it, when it's the Sabres, you know, if that was Pat Coletta making that hit, he would have gotten a 10-game suspension probably. But when it's a team doing it to the Sabres, it seems not to happen. I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, but that's just how it seems like it goes. Yeah.
1: then You know, the Islanders are a funny team. Uh, not that I want to sit here and ramble about the Islanders. They just have a hard time wrapping my head around their team right now and uh paying Cal Clutterbuck big money uh bringing in Andrew Shaw, but not, uh lad for, for big money and uh and not letting a guy like not paying a guy like Kyle Oposo uh,
0: who's been nothing
1: but great for us in my opinion
0: yeah it was pretty wild that they they made that decision didn't really make Oposo a fair offer, and then decided to go out and sign an older player to a very similar contract in Andrew Ladd. I, I I thought that was very suspect, and they haven't been well run. to To be able to waste the entire prime basically of of John Tavares shows that there's something wrong upstairs, and they've made some some poor decisions time and time again, and it's showing now where they are in the standings.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh... A, a team that i thought was dominant for a couple years uh could have you know tried to keep some players together there but they just not they're not doing it they could have kept some of these guys together and made a good run at the cup i mean i i know they've tried but i, I if they have money for lad why wouldn't they have money for oposo it just doesn't make sense to me
0: definitely yeah and oposo right in that prime age Whereas Lad is a couple years older, I don't know exactly how how old Lad is, but I think he's at least two years older than than Oposo. Just doesn't make sense. The guy that's been there, that's you know become part of the community, all of that, but also is a is a great player, and I think he's a better player than Lad is. Yeah. I know that teams sometimes overvalue the whole grit intangibles side of a player, but I think objectively looking at him, I would I would take Oposo over Lad any day. Including over their last few years, I would take Oposo over Lad, and then I would take him take him over Lad the next few years down the line without a doubt. Yeah,
1: they seem to like their energy guys. They're uh, giving Clutterbuck a pretty big deal here recently. You know, Cal Clutterbuck's a very fun player to watch. Uh, I'm a fan of his style of play, but that much
0: money for a guy like Cal Clutterbuck? Eh, I'm not too sure about that. Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I think we've talked on this podcast before, just that's typically a losing strategy, tying up years and money into really non-core players. That's what ends up getting you in salary cap trouble. Nobody's ever going to fault you for locking up your core players and maybe overpaying a little bit to keep them. But when you start handing out these pretty big, these at least decent-sized contracts to a lot of third and fourth line type players, it'll, it'll catch up to you.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and then our last game there was a two to one loss in a shootout against Carolina. Uh, that was a pretty tough uh, loss. never like loosened to the hurricanes ever since 06. And uh, we had um, Evander Kane scoring the low goal for uh, the Sabres. Uh, def- uh, deflected off of a shot from Jake McCabe going to the right-hand side of the post, pat- right between uh, Cam Ward's left skate and uh, the right post. And uh, we had Stepniak and I forget the other uh, shootout, the other guy in the shootout who scored the second shootout goal. But
0: is that uh, we, Sebastian uh, Aho? Yes. I think was the yes, other one that yeah. scored. Yeah. Yep. Yes. I just remember because I couldn't believe that he was somebody that they picked to shoot. I don't know what his his stats were in the shootout, but I I always try to predict who's gonna shoot. Like any game, any game that we watch, and yeah. I guessed Skinner and Ter- and uh, Tara Vinan would be two of their guys that they would shoot. Stepniak makes a lot of sense because is a he has great career numbers in the shootout, but that's just why that stuck out in my mind.
1: Yeah, um, and you know the Sabers. Uh... Send two guys out there that can't get it done. Uh, Sam Reinhart goes in for the first try and uh, just loses the puck out of nowhere, really. Uh, Pucks bounce. He makes a move. The puck just starts bouncing. And Cam Ward uh, touches the puck and gets up and celebrates like he made the move of the year on Reinhart.
0: And uh, just didn't get that at all. Well, I will never not hate Cam Ward. So if we want to bash the Hurricanes a little bit, I'm, I'm... Free to go down that road but this whole game was really really boring this might have been the most boring game of the year so far yeah I, I don't know what you think but it was it was really excruciating to get through and I couldn't believe the Sabres actually scored that was a really nice tip by Kane yeah and he has been pretty productive recently I know that we had discussed I think probably talking about him at some point we can either get into that now or wait till it comes up organically later um um up to you buddy okay well I guess we can hop into Kane we'll take that uh that that segue uh but basically he got he's gotten temporarily demoted down to the fourth line they moved Matt Molson back up and Kane sulked a little bit after it after it happened you could tell he was he was visibly frustrated he didn't celebrate much in that late goal that he had, was it in the, it was in the Kings game, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, that goal late in the Kings game, and he didn't even yell out or really celebrate or anything. And that was right after he'd been demoted to the fourth line. He'd been playing on the fourth line that whole period. And then in the Carolina game, he got some time with the Larson and Gianta line, and Felino got moved up the lineup. Uh, and I've actually talked about that being where I would love to see Evander Kane on that line and that Felino may be a better fit on one of the top two lines. So I actually like to see that. One of the few times where Bilesma's tinkering actually results in something that works, I said, I made the comment, even a broken clock is right twice a day <laughs> on, uh, when that happened because I actually liked the combinations after that happened.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know what? Um, After the demotion, we look at the past five games here, and uh, Kane has four goals and an assist. I think he's been – uh a little more productive after getting set down. Sure, his demeanor definitely seems lower and he's not really looking like he's been enjoying himself all that much, but him floating around has, uh been working for him, I think, and uh, you know, he's uh, predicted to be uh, t- in tomorrow night's game against Florida. He's predicted to be on the left side of Larson
0: and Gianta, and they have moved Foligno up to the top line.
1: Actually.
0: Yeah, and I it and I like that. I mean, that's probably my ideal lineup with how Foligno is played. I think he deserves to be up on one of those. Absolutely, uh, on one of those lines, and I think that Kane on that third line. Obviously, Larson and Gianta are effective players. They bring their own strengths, but they're not going to be the focal point of of a line that's going to put up any sort of offense. Yeah, uh, in the NHL, they're just not going to. But Kane could be that guy. That can really be the focal point and create some offense on that line so I think that's perfect I I do like that a lot and I think that's where Kane fits unfortunately that's not where you're expecting him to fit when you make that big trade for him and you're paying him this kind of money but you can't just continue to play a player high in the lineup because of what you traded for him it's a sunk cost at this point you've got to put him where he's most effective and I think this is where he's most effective and yeah. I did see uh, he has ten points in his last fourteen games, so that's stri- that streak's been going pretty solidly now over over a a pretty large sample size, where he's he's produced far more offense than he was earlier in the year.
1: Yeah, I I would uh, I would have to agree with you. Uh, you know, it was it's been fuss- it's been frustrating uh, for a little while with Evander Kane. He has played in nineteen games this year. Five goals, five assists, ten points. Obviously, easy math there, and uh, and uh, it's it's something that we uh, hopefully maybe maybe breaking up that third line and moving Mol- uh, Felino up on the top line with uh, Reinhardt and uh, R- or Riley could uh, be a good catalyst for this team. Uh, maybe our boy uh, Dan Bilesma there would be looking like a uh, genius. <laughs>
0: Well, I think you've got to try it at the very least. And I know that you, basically when you're looking at it, you don't want to break up something that works. I think that's natural for people to want to look at and say, oh, well, that line's been very good, so we shouldn't break it up. But it's far more important for those top two lines to be as effective as possible. So if you think that moving Felino can increase the effectiveness of one of those two lines even if it makes that larson line slightly worse i think it's it's worth trying at the very least you can always go back to it too you always can put felino back on that line those guys have played together then been separated and come back together over the last year so
1: and quite frankly felino deserves it uh felino's been working his butt off there on the ice and you know seeing the way he plays and his drive for the game it's you know it makes you it makes you wonder it really does uh I was uh, listening to, I was listening to the radio a few days ago, and uh, someone called in and said that they want to see him with a assistant captain on his on his sweater next year. I don't know if I'd go that far, but uh, his play has been encouraging, and you know, other guys seeing a guy, Felino going out there and playing and giving it his all, it's gonna do nothing but motivate other guys on the team.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I've talked about, we have talked about. Felino being far more consistent this year and being concerned with his inconsistency in the past, but he's been one of the most consistent players on this team and one of the guys that they really do lean on. At even strength, he even got some some penalty kill time uh, in the cap. Like he he started to get a little bit of time on the on the penalty kill, which is something new for him. Uh, <clears throat> and I would like to see him maybe get some time with that second power play unit. Yeah, being one of the guys that's going strong at. at At even strength I know that you tend to he hasn't been very effective on the power play throughout his career but he's done a whole lot of things that he hasn't done earlier in his career so I think maybe he would have he would have enough effectiveness on the power play to be able to throw him on that second unit and see what happens
1: it'd be interesting and why not give a guy who's working his tail off a chance you know I'm I'm really glad that he's getting the chance up there of O'Reilly and Reinhardt uh and it should be exciting to see him play on that line tomorrow. It's something I'm going to key on watching the game tomorrow.
0: Yeah, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it works, if not really nothing lost because you can yeah. always move Kane back up. But I just don't see – Kane does not really fit well on either of those top two lines, and I haven't seen anything that really will make me think otherwise. Yes, he has been productive recently, but – there's a difference between being productive and being a good fit in a given spot in the lineup.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, this is all this talk is uh, making me think of uh, another winger on the Sabers team that uh, I know we've discussed about. Uh, Sam Reinhart. He's, uh, in my opinion, he's really been struggling uh, these last few games. Really since the beginning of December, the last eight games, he's only had three points. Uh, he just doesn't look confident out there. He looks awkward. It it it's uh, he struggled to finish. He had a wide open net against the Islanders uh on uh last Friday and he missed the he went wide wide right on the on the net. It, it was uh terrible. Really, uh, what do you what do you think about Reinhardt's play of late?
0: It's continued to be frustrating. Really, like you said, he hasn't been productive. He. And it's not like he hasn't been productive because things haven't been balancing right for him. He hasn't been aggressive, and the chances really haven't been there for him. And when they have been, he hasn't finished. Um, I, <clears throat> I was thinking about this kind of before the show, trying to think about what we wanted to talk about, and I don't think that Reinhardt's ever going to be a great fit in this system. In, in Bilesma's dump-and-chase system, I think he just looks out of place in this system in general. And I know that people will say, oh, well, look at how productive he was as a rookie last year. And I know that he was productive, um, but I know that also they kind of opened up offensively down the stretch, and he did click with Eichel last year. And I... And he clicked with O'Reilly as well, and and he also I don't know what his numbers were on the power play, but a lot of his production came on the power play, which doesn't really have a lot to do with the system at even strength. This team has struggled with even strength scoring the whole last year and a half. Well, really, I mean you could go back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> three and a half years into the tank years too. But I'm not, I don't want to fault Dan Bilesma for what happened under under Ted Nolan, though these teams are actually worse at scoring at even strength than those. Uh, than those teams were in a lot of aspects. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if he's ever going to be a good fit in this system. Uh, he's he's not that effective at winning puck battles. I know he's going to get better at that as he continues to get stronger and gets older, uh, but he's that's not his forte. And I don't think you're ever going to turn somebody's biggest weakness in the offensive zone into their into a strength. And so as long as they're relying on that system of play – I don't think we're ever going to see the full potential, of Sam Reinhart. Yeah. I I don't want to excuse him completely either, because I think there is a lot there that he's not taking charge, and we need to see that out of a number two overall pick. Yeah, you need to be aggressive and get what's yours. So I don't want to I don't want to excuse him completely, but I don't think he's a good fit for this system.
1: Yeah, um, you, you know, and you look at what what's his strengths? Hockey IQ. He's he's. Supposedly, supposed to be one of the smartest guys in the system, if not the smartest. He, he, um, he can feed. He's supposed to be able to feed the puck better than anyone. And he, yeah, we've seen him make those great passes last year, and we haven't seen much of it this year. Um he's, he's, he's struggled, and it's. It, it, I can see it, I, mean, I don't know if all Sabres fans can see it, but I c- certainly believe I, I'm seeing it. I was really hoping to see him. Uh, more successful la- la- moving up with the, uh, Ryan O'Reilly because uh, last year I loved the chemistry those two guys had. Riley was getting him the puck, and Sam was actually finishing a lot of shots last year playing with O'Reilly, and uh, it, it's, it's been unsuccessful since he's been up there, really, with O'Reilly, and it's just frustrating because I'm just like, okay, maybe this could be a switch that the team needs, and I think that's what Bilesmo was really going for, and it, Reinhardt hasn't really proved his work in December this year, and it's just it's, uh, it's uh, a little head-scratching for me, and I I don't understand it.
0: Yeah, well, he's going to be a, a hugely important part of the team. If they are going to go on a playoff run, they need at least the Sam Reinhardt from last year. They need at least that level of production from him, if not more. Uh, but I think... If you look at a at a real possession based system with strong puck support, or strong support for the puck carriers, I think that's where Reinhardt would thrive. I do want to explain. I'm not just I'm not just complaining about Bilesma's system because I just want to complain about it. But I think for Reinhardt, he he may be the best example of a player that doesn't fit well in what Bilesma wants to do with a lot of stretch passes and dump and chase and go and try to win puck battles and keep the game low scoring. You get ahead, you fall back. Uh, into a shell I don't think any of that works well for Reinhardt and a, and a system where you have lots of support for the puck carriers so lots of guys crossing near to the puck and a lot of five to ten feet passes I think that fits Reinhardt's strengths perfectly because he's so great at making quick decisions um, and he'd be able to come through the zone far more with speed and with the puck and be able to make those smart passes one way or the other I think that fits what he what he brings to the table best, uh, but I don't know if if Biles was ever going to go more in that direction because he hasn't used those he hasn't used that type of system his entire time as a head coach in the NHL.
1: Yeah, so why would you expect him to change? Um,
0: exactly. Yeah. Well, and here's a, I I'm not
1: trying to get too far away from uh, Reinhardt, but uh, another thought of uh, mine has been is. Why not? Why not send uh, Zigmas Gergesen up there on the right hand side of O'Reilly and, de- and demote Reinhardt? I mean, I know you don't want to kill the kid's confidence, but um, we've seen we've seen Gergesen make a few good plays, and he's a guy that can definitely win a puck and uh, win a puck and try to in the offensive zone. So, I uh, I I've there's been times we're thinking maybe Zigmas deserves a shot on the first line on the right hand side. He can play really any position offensively. Uh, you have any thought on that, Mark?
0: Yeah, if they do decide to to demote Reinhardt, which I definitely could see happening. I think Biles has used it far more. We talked about Evander Kane getting demoted. Gergensens has been a fixture on that fourth line for a, a decent chunk of games now. I think Gergensens makes the most sense to be that player to step up and to replace Reinhardt if they want to do that. And if the way they want to demote Reinhardt is to put him on the fourth line. You could conceivably put him in the press box for a game for yeah. a game or two as well. You've got Derek Grant sitting there now. Um, and I, I do want to discuss this later too, but Nick Delorier somehow is in this team's top 12 forwards, which is em- embarrassing to me, if, if I'm being honest, that he's uh, he's a fixture in this lineup. But, yeah, I think Gurgenson's makes the most sense if they do want to do that. And if this continued lack of production – happens over the next several games. I think they're going to have to do something.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, going back to Delorie there is since he's been back up, you know, when when you think Nick DeLore, you think energy, you think hits, you think finishing checks, you you know, tipping in a goal here or there. But Nick DeLore hasn't really finished hardly any checks since he's been on this team, uh, since he's gotten back up. Uh, from injury, and, and I wonder if he's still hurt or what are you what, what's the deal? And you know, it's uh, you know, you're out on the ice for a reason, dude. So, finish the hit.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and his ice time certainly reflects that. I mean, that he's. I was just looking back at it, but he got only six minutes of time. Um, in the in the Capitals game, he got. Ten minutes in the ten eleven minutes in the Kings game. Of course, that was because they were head through him some shifts at the end. Eight minutes in the in the Islanders game, and he got seven and a half minutes in the in the Hurricanes game. So he hasn't been out on the ice much because he's straight up not effective. And like you said, he's paid to do a couple things, and when you don't do those things at a very high level, it makes you a net negative. And he's one of the possibly the worst possession player in the entire NHL statistically. He drags down his teammates considerably when he's on the ice. Uh and if he doesn't bring those other things at a high level, if he's not making teams scared to come into to come into his defensive zone or to handle the puck when he's in on the forecheck, then he's not doing enough to stick in the NHL and I don't think that he should be in a in a regular lineup. If this team actually is serious about making any sort of playoff run, yeah.
1: and I hate to just bring out the obvious comparison, but I'm going to do it anyways. When this team had uh, Pat Coletta on the team, he did his job. He went out there, he made hits, he got the he got he got the team moving, he got the crowd involved in the game. Nick DeLury hasn't done that. He, he he hasn't done it since he came up. And granted, yeah, it's only been uh, five six games since he's been back, but still, it's Come on, dude. It's, this is the big time. You played. You played in this before. I've seen him. Make, I've seen him finish plenty of hits last year. I, I I thought he was one tough dude, and you know what? He's not playing like one right now. So you know, get ready to go back to the AHL or something. I don't know if he's on a two-way deal or a one-way deal, but uh, it's not. It's not uh It's not something that you can stand for. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, he would have to clear waivers to go down to the uh, t- down to the AHL, but no team is going to claim him. He does have another year left on his deal. I think his cap hits seven hundred fifty thousand. I don't. It might not be that round. It might be like seven hundred sixty or something like that. Um, but yeah, I'd have no issue whatsoever with sending him down to the AHL. You've got a guy in Nick Baptiste down there lighting it up. This team is really struggling to score down or uh, struggling to score up here. Mm-hmm. So it would make a lot of sense to possibly bring Nick Baptiste up and hope that he can be a spark again though i'd hate to further deplete rochester uh, But back to your point about pat coletta i did just want to say that he killed he was a very good penalty killer mm-hmm. and he drew penalties at an elite rate and that's those are the types of things you need from a fourth liner they need to bring one or two high level skills to the table and coletta always did that he was a great four, uh, a, a great body checker and he did, I think, he did scare teams a little bit to come over the middle. But I think that was even secondary to his value as a penalty killer and his ability to draw penalties by really frustrating opposing teams. And glory doesn't do any of that. And that's why you know that's a that's a fan favorite type of guy right there, Pat Coletta. You know, and there
1: there's value for that in this uh, the, the greatest league in all hockey, the NHL. There's a value for that. So if if you're that guy, I don't know if. I don't know if Nick Delorier thinks he's, you know, a guy who can go out there and score goals, kind of like John Scott <laughs> thought, but uh, it's... Uh, it's it, Do your job. It drives me nuts, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm beating a dead horse right now. But
0: Yeah, we probably shouldn't devote too much of this <laughs> podcast to, to Nick Delorier, but I think it is clear that he doesn't belong in an NHL lineup unless there are multiple injuries in front of him. And I know that... Tyler Ennis is hurt yeah. but beyond that we're healthy now. He, right? He's not one of the top 12 forwards in this organization and he doesn't really bring anything to the table. So I would like to see him him demoted and you know whether it's Nick Baptiste, of course I've talked about I don't I don't like the Derek Grant experiment either. But well we I think either of them would be an upgrade over Delorier in this lineup.
1: Well, and today we brought back uh the local boy there uh Tim Kennedy to do the AHL, uh, 30 years old, uh, brought him back for some depth down in Rochester. Maybe we'll see him if there's some injuries up in the big club.
0: Yeah, yeah. I he, I have to think he's pretty far down the depth chart, but um, he was, you know, a, a, a decent fringe AHL, NHL player. I know that he's kind of fallen off the map. I think his last stint in the NHL was... Three years ago, maybe with the Coyotes, I haven't really looked at his career trajectory. But poor guy, it's been a little while since he's been since he's been in the NHL. But what what an interesting career for him since the Sabers they bought him out after he there was an arbitration ruling, correct? And then they bought him out actually after that. Am I am I remembering that correctly? I, th- I
1: think you are. Uh, it, it's that's man time flies. Uh, I think you are correct though, but uh it's just you know an interesting move uh bring some uh, some talent back to Rochester, let the guy play a little more hockey before he hangs up his skates at uh, pro, you know, a pro level, you know. Claiming the AHL is a pro level, which I think. Uh, you know, one
0: Yeah, night. this This is what happened. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Um, I just wanted to say, yeah, that is what happened. He was ruled a million dollars in in arbitration. The Sabres didn't want to pay the additional amount, so they waived him, and then he cleared waivers, and then they bought him out. Uh, So they ended ended up having dead cap, and he left, and he's bounced all around since then. Yeah, 2013-2014 is his last stint in the NHL with the Coyotes. Uh, But he played with the Sharks as well. Played with the Panthers. Uh, really hasn't had consistent time in the NHL since since leaving, and then he was over in the KHL before, uh, and then he was in the Swedish league earlier this year before. Basically, I think I don't know if he decided if he decided to leave his team or if they mutually decided to part ways. I don't really know the story on that, but yeah. pretty interesting career arc for him. After he was pretty effective in that. That one, that one year he had with the Sabers. Yeah, he, he had a fan
1: base. I even know someone with his jersey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, you know, you could throw that one out and uh, surprise, surprise
0: your buddies. But uh, wow! So we've had long Coletta conversation <laughs> and Tim Kennedy conversation. So hot, hot stuff. All the all the local guys. Yeah,
1: hot, hot stuff on the Saber Talk podcast today. So, um, <laughs> but speaking of hot stuff. Um, and my girlfriend would agree with me on this one. I think is uh, Rasmus Alinen's play of late. She's a big Risto fan, uh, so okay. so um, in twenty one he had, in th- in thirty games this season he has twenty one points, twelve power play points, uh, ranked thirteenth in the NHL, and has had uh, seven points in the last nine games. His uh his play has been uh pretty darn good lately, and jumping up and joining joining uh. The team offensively as of late it has been uh, pretty good for the Sabres. Uh, you got any thoughts on uh, Risto's play?
0: Yeah, I'm probably going to echo a lot of what I said in our previous podcast, but uh, he's really taken charge, and you can tell now he's not hesitating. When his instincts tell him to jump up into the play, he's jumping up into the play, and he thinks he's going to score. He's got that kind of confidence going right now. Now will that confidence carry over? For the rest of his career, probably not. He'll probably have his ups and downs right now. Just everything seems to be going right for him in the offensive zone. So I know that you kind of go through those ebbs and flows throughout throughout an 82-game season. But one of the things that's been great to see is he's become far more productive at even strength. And The team, of course, in the stretch has scored more even strength than they have over the over the rest of the season. So that's part of it. But before, I think, he was putting up points, but virtually all of them were on the power play. And a lot of them were were secondary assists, or you know, a pass to somebody that blasted home a one timer. Which you know, really, are you creating much offense in that situation? Or you or you just happen to be one of the last two players to touch the puck? But in this last stretch of games, I think he's been instrumental in, in creating a lot of these goals, and it's been it's been great to see because the Sabers need that. They don't really have anybody else that creates offense consistently, so that whole burden falls on Ristolainen. What are what are your opinions?
1: Oh yeah, I I, I uh he is, you know, clear cut number one guy that we just we just gave money a uh, big contract to, but I think both team I think both sides win on that deal. I think uh Sabres get him at a fair price and he gets he gets his he gets his payday. So I think everyone should be happy. He, he's averaging um twenty six minutes and thirty seven seconds per game, which is a uh, fifth in the NHL right now, actually. So that's uh you know, granted that comes from having uh, Kulikov and Bogosian out and Josh George is missing time too, so he's really been this workout horse for this team. And I think it's I think it's fair to say that he's been the best player on this team this year. Uh, he's on a uh, he's on pace for uh, 57 points this season actually right now, um, which is a uh, pretty refresh, pretty cool. Uh, I think. I think, uh, you know, if he can have even of like go over that, you were talking possible Norris candidate, which would be a huge deal for a Sabres player.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I would be surprised probably if he's in that type of conversation, unless the Sabres really turn it on and are great themselves. Uh, but there are some obviously true elite defensemen in this league that it's going to be hard to ever – hard to eclipse right now. I, I certainly could see Rissalina doing it at some point in his career. Uh, but, yeah, if you if you put up, say, 60 points or 55, 60 points, you're probably at least in that conversation, at least talking about being in the hunt to be a finalist for the Norris Trophy with scoring, you know, not at historically low levels, but still at pretty low levels compared to many eras. 60 points for a defenseman is a is a big deal. Yeah. Uh and i agree with you i think he's probably been the most val- valuable player on this team so far this year uh, just looking at the type of burden that he's had to take on with all those injuries now those guys have all come back so you hope that he won't have to continue playing quite as many minutes but the fact that he was able to do it and still come out the other side not having been run down is pretty impressive
1: yeah i um he's been he's been he's been good uh, it it's a uh... You know, it's one thing you can always look back and be like, "Well, at least we got twenty-two-year-old Rasmus in for the next uh, six years." He signed for. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a starting point in the defense. Uh, speaking of defensive players, we uh, we had we got Kulekoff back a few games before. We got Bogosian back, but they're both back. Uh, it really affects this team's uh, roster. Fadun was hurt. They sent him back down to Rochester, and uh, we sent Gooley back. And we uh, talked about his play last podcast, to the Western, but we sent him back to the Western Hockey League, and uh, we're keeping Justin Falk up as our seventh guy right now is what it's looking like, and they actually had Josh Georges floating at practice today. So the pairings were Jake McCabe and Rissa Linen, which I think is finally safe to say it's here to stay. Um, and then we got Bogo and, uh, Kulikov on the second pairing. Uh, it should, uh, be interesting. I know these guys aren't, these guys were hurt and, you know, they're not going to come back right away and be themselves. Um, I'm more excited to see Kulikov come back and see what, you know, he's finally starting to look more healthy as it goes on. And I'm, I question if Zach Bogosian is even ever healthy, so, uh, it, but it makes this team's defense def look a lot better than it did before when we had, you know, uh, bringing in, up. I think we had, what, we talked about last podcast, like, nine different defensemen or ten different d- defensemen play for the Sabres this year. Yeah,
0: they've dressed 11 different oh, okay. defensemen this year. So, yeah, they had to go down to, because Bergdorfer was the 11th. So, Bergdorfer, Gooley. Falk, Fadoon, and Nelson, and then the six that we see in the lineup now, which is going to hurt any team having to go down that deep into you know, into your organization to, to get defensemen. But I think that Falk is better, is probably better than Georges at this stage, so I wouldn't mind seeing Falk be in the lineup over Georges right now. Um, I know it's probably not a huge difference in either direction. Falk's kind of a fringy, you know, six-seven AHL type guy, uh, but Georges is basically at that point right now himself. And if we're being honest, if we're if we're just looking at him at this point in time, not thinking about his past career achievements and all that, he probably shouldn't be in a team's top six no. right now.
1: Nope. But it's it's kind of hard to, you know, have your guy with the A on your sweater not. Not uh, not in the lineup. I mean, that's a tough situation for uh, Coach Bilesma there to uh, figure out. Hey, I got my assistant captain, my only guy of a letter on his on the on his uh, jersey. Not playing because Justin Falk is the better option. Uh, it, it, that's uh, a little mind boggling.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's tough to make that decision, but. I would hope that Georges would be somebody that would see he probably realizes he isn't as effective as he has been in the past and that would accept, you know, coach thinks this is the best best for the team. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm gonna go about my business and try to play my way back into the lineup. I, I would hope that would be how he would react and I I I'm pretty sure that would be how he'd react. He's a pretty stand up guy. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, being an undrafted uh Guy like that, you know, it's something about it's a humbling uh, experience, I'm sure, you know, and uh, he's had nothing. I read a report uh, a couple days ago from someone on the Buffalo News. I can't remember. Sorry if I can't give you the credentials, Mr. Reporter Man, right now. But he interviewed Josh Georges and he spoke about Rasmus Ristelainen, and uh, he just, the things he said was just uh, pretty, uh, pretty. Pretty cool, just to uh, talk about his former defenseman part partner.
0: Yeah, hopefully he stays former defensive partner. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Georges has played with some played with some pretty high level players throughout his career. You know, he was a uh, he was in Montreal with Andre Markov. I'm pretty sure that was the pairing for a while that kind of brought Georges to prominence. I forget what playoff run it was when. Uh, Yaroslav Halak like stood on his head. They were blocking so many shots. I don't remember what year that was. They knocked out the Capitals. Uh, is one of the years when the Capitals were a true favorite to win it all. I mean, it seems like they are. Yeah. which which year?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I couldn't tell you uh, offhand <laughs> right now, but uh, it's uh it's been a uh, it's. It's gonna be interesting to see where they move with this. If they're gonna keep Falk in there, if they're gonna, you know, have Georges not on the ice, but uh, it definitely raises some questions, especially with his contract being up. Who who gets that? Who gets that uh, A on their sweater next year? You know, who gets the C on their sweater if they don't bring Gianta back? But I'm starting to think.
0: Well, Georges does have another year left on his deal. Gianta's contract is up, but. George just has one more year. I
1: thought I thought that uh, they both expired at the same time. I thought they signed the same uh, amount of years when they I thought they had the same amount of years when they got
0: traded here. I wish. why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be nice to have that extra what 3.9 million or whatever to work with next year, but maybe he'll get claimed in the expansion draft. That'd be nice. Yeah, I'm not expecting no. that to happen. <laughs> yeah, not
1: happen. <laughs> but it's uh <laughs> It, it's, uh, it's exciting to think about maybe, you know, maybe there's a buyout, you know. The, uh, I don't know exactly the terms of this contract, but, um, but having Kulikov and, uh, Bogosian back definitely is going to make this team better defensively in front of, uh, two goalies that have been playing pretty strong, actually. Uh, the other night, I, uh, go, I'm going back to, uh, friday's game against the islanders and man what a pad save uh leonard had on in the first period i don't know if you uh how much of that game he caught but he uh i can't remember who who the islanders player that was coming down the ice he got perfectly fed one timer and something i've complained about with uh leonard before is his uh, lateral movement leonard got the the pad out and stoned him stoned uh it may have been Ryan Strom.
0: Yeah, I uh, honestly don't remember. But
1: uh, it was it was just a, a, one of the most beautiful saves I've seen out of Leonard this year. It was uh, pretty cool, and uh, so hopefully we can with uh, a team that Buffalo is who's struggled to score, um, getting more defense back and having goalies uh, playing and keeping them in games. Hopefully, continue to stay that way. Uh, you can give us some op- more opportunities that wouldn't get two points every night.
0: Yeah, well, I think the the big story on the defense, having everybody healthy, is that really can't be an excuse any longer. Now with everybody back, I mean, pretty much everybody back up front too, minus Tyler Ennis, but injuries can't really be an excuse anymore for this team. Now this team's got to, I know that they're behind the eight ball because, you know, they're behind the race. They've They've got to play quite well to get back into it. But that injury excuse can't really help them anymore. So we're going to be evaluating them on their merits at this point. So that's probably, in my opinion, the best development about this. We can actually see this team as it was supposed to be built, and we can now evaluate them as such rather than saying, oh, well, Eichel's out, so we can't really judge this team fully right now. Or Bogosian and Kulikov are out, so we can't really judge this team fully. Now everybody's back. Hopefully the goaltenders continue to play. Like they have, like you were alluding to there, uh, because it is it is great to be able to throw out either of your two goaltenders and expect a pretty good performance on any given night. And that's been one of the Sabres' Achilles' heels. Over time, they've always had a strong number one goaltender, you know, up until Ryan Miller getting traded, and it's been a revolving door pretty much since then. But they never had a reliable backup and Lindy Ruff always hesitated to use the backup, so the backup could never get into any sort of sort of rhythm, and so it kind of fed on itself, kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. But now you've got really two goaltenders that you can roll. Don't even get me started. Come on, man. Mick and Norton? We'll talk <laughs> some Mick and Norton right here. No, I'm just
1: joking. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I, I, for years, though, <laughs> to go back to Mick and Norton, uh, I was always a big Mick and Norton guy when I was a youngster, and... I always hated Braun for years until he actually showed <laughs> he his worth when Ryan Miller was uh good. You know, he showing.
0: Yeah, well yeah, Ryan Miller went down. That was in the was that in the oh five oh six year yes. or the oh six oh seven year five oh six Braun played really well. Yeah. Yeah, and then Mika Nornan always, you know, that was the the three headed fiasco I think the Sabres were smart to get out of him when they did they got a I believe a second round pick back for him which is pretty good value looking back on it but you always wonder what would have happened if he would have been given an extended period of playing time because he never really did at the NHL level and then it's so hard to get a chance somewhere sometimes with these goalies it's because playing time is so scarce there are only 30 teams And if you don't happen to get into the right situation where you can get consistent time, after a couple years, other teams aren't going to want to give you a chance. And I think that's what happened with him. Went back to Europe, and I don't blame him. I probably would do the same thing if I was in a foreign land and figured I'm not going to get a full chance to be an NHL starter, go back and earn decent money closer to home.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, uh, uh, I got one more last topic, and then I'm uh, running out of time here. So... uh I uh, want to touch on one more thing before we uh, call it a podcast here, and I want to talk about tomorrow night's game against uh, um, um, uh, Vincent Valola, Viola's uh, Florida Panthers. Uh, <laughs> the Famous lit, secretary of the army. Yeah, secretary of the army here. I'm not trying to get too political, but Trump has nominated him to... Uh,
0: is, uh... Has he looked at the Panthers' record this year? I don't know what he's possibly thinking. Have you seen how this team has been in turmoil? <laughs> yeah. Did you see the moves they made over the off season? I expect him to run the U.S. Army. Come on.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, we got a we got a we got a big game uh, in Florida, right? Um, yep. Uh, tomorrow night and. Uh, a team that I expected to be really good this year was uh, the Florida Panthers after their run last year, and uh, it should be a big game for us. Uh, what do you think about the game tomorrow, Mark?
0: Well, the Panthers, I'll, I'll discuss the Panthers real quick. What an interesting story they've been because they made a lot of changes over the offseason. You don't expect a team that has that kind of performance to, to revamp themselves quite that much, but they really overhauled their defense and... It's coming back to bite them. They've already made some changes, uh, you know, coach-wise so far this year. Gallant was fired. Uh, They've made some, I think some, I don't know if they've made actual changes in the front office, but I think they've changed kind of the structure of of command. Uh, But... What an interesting story they are. And if the Sabres do want to be in the playoff race, this is a team that they're going to have to jump. Yeah, They're going to have to be in front of this team, so they've got to win these games. These divisional games become very important. And Roberto Luongo is a a goalie that has traditionally owned the Sabres. Yeah, Um, They've had his number a couple times here and there, but I think if I had to guess his career save percentage against the Sabres, it's got to be over 930. At the least, I I can't look it up that quickly yeah. as I'm talking, but uh, he's always a tough matchup, and you know they still have those core players that helped them help them perform so well last year. So this is still a team that I don't want to play that scares me a little bit to play. Yeah,
1: d- yeah, a team that you know brings in Jason Demers in the off season, brings in Keith Yandel uh, at the trade deadline last year. Uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, I think it was the trade deadline, or did they sign him as a free agent?
0: Uh, I'm pretty sure they traded for him at the deadline. They they signed him. Oh, they did? Um, he went to the he went to the Rangers last year at the trade deadline. Okay, yeah, they oh, gave yeah, him a big yeah. contract this yeah, off season. Yeah,
1: he went to the Rangers at the deadline. Yep, and you know we got Aaron Ekblad. You know, too. that you're talking a pretty strong defensive core there, and you got guys like Vincent Trocheck and uh, Barkoff. You know, and the ageless wonder Yager, and it, it's a it's a scary it's a scary team for sure and you got a kind of a two-headed monster there with James Reimer as your uh is your uh, backup goalie. I think he's only 500 for the season but it's still uh still a pretty good backup in NHL, you know.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I mean on paper you expect this team to be a lot better than it is. And then uh Jonathan Maréchalson, he's come in and he's leading them in goals. Okay. Yeah. So you've got to think, adding a player like that that is now leading you in goals, if, if you would have told Panthers fans that starting the season, you would have thought, wow, this team is really humming along because they've got all their core guys, and now you add somebody like this, it comes in, it's now, now it's 10 goals for us. But it just hasn't been the case. They have not been productive offensively. They've struggled to score. Uh, and just things haven't gone right for them. They're still time obviously for that to happen Jonathan Huberto has been out which has been a big loss but uh there aren't a ton of excuses for that team much like the Sabres moving forward uh for them to really pick it up and if they don't make the playoffs I think that's a very disappointing season for them yeah
1: yeah I'd I'd be uh I'd be in hot hell if I was uh if I was a Florida Panthers fan not just because my uh Owner is going to be the Secretary of Army for Trump, but because this is a team that is going to be that is expected to be maybe winning the Eastern Conference. I mean, before the season, that uh, play, uh, uh, reporters were reporting that they think that they could win the they could be the Eastern Conference uh, championship team, but uh, it's definitely not looking like it. So. We need to go out there and uh, try to get two points out there after a lousy showing in Carolina.
0: Definitely, yeah. These games are these games are very important. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have an interesting story too about about Marche saw I used to work in a hotel in Syracuse, and the Syracuse Crunch players used to stay at our hotel, and he played for the Crunch at the time, and he was, uh, I think he was their leading scorer that year. But he was staying in the hotel for a while, and we had the rapper YG. I don't know if you know who that is. Also stayed at the hotel when he performed in Syracuse, and they were all on the same floor, up on our top floor. And I worked the night shift, and I get a, I get a call from Marchesa's room. I probably, I don't know if I should be saying this in, oh. in public or not in a public forum. I gotta, No, it's nothing bad. It. <laughs> from, it's nothing bad from him yeah. whatsoever. There's nothing, but like he was actually scared for like him and his he and his girlfriend were like scared for their lives up on this floor because YG had his whole crew up there. The entire floor reeks of marijuana and I get up there and apparently they were running down the hall knocking on doors and I couldn't pinpoint who was who so I had to basically, you know, threaten YG to kick them out of the hotel <laughs> if they didn't if they didn't quiet it down. And there's nothing you can do. You can't really pinpoint where marijuana smoke's coming from. So there's nothing and the words, there, there's not really any teeth to me threatening them about that but in the, it ended up being fine i think i handled it well and I'm, calmed him down I'm, I'm proud
1: i'm proud of you mark and but in the words of tupac and snoop Dogg, ain't nothing like a gangsta potty <laughs> <laughs>
0: well they they definitely took over that floor oh man
1: jeez, oh, that is a one wild story there mark but uh <laughs> I'm I'm glad you enlightened us, me and the listeners on that, cause uh, I don't know who y- YG is, but I'm uh I'm gonna have to iTunes him or something here. I'm not I don't download music and steal from guys like YG, you know. I don't wanna <laughs> don't wanna cause any problems. So, but uh
0: yeah, I don't know if he's necessarily up our alley. I think th- the first song, the only song I really have ever heard by him samples um. Bitches ain't shit, but hoes and tricks, Ooh. and it just plays that loop over and over again, and that's the chorus, too. So, huh. not really up our alley, probably. But uh,
1: no, hockey players aren't big YG fans, obviously. Just ask Jonathan. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I uh, I I for one want to thank everyone if you made it this far on the podcast. Uh, it's been a good show, and hopefully we can get see a Sabres victory uh, tomorrow. In florida
0: definitely and hopefully we won't be waiting another four days or four games before doing another podcast it was kind of a kind of a unique set of circumstances with uh with josh was on the road i was on the road and our schedules are different so josh taking time off at the bar to do this we should thank him for uh for doing this yeah.
1: and a big shout out to my uh, love Gabe for uh watching the bar for me why we got to finish this uh Podcast. Uh, Mark will be uh, coming to town here pretty soon, so uh, we should we might even be able to do a podcast together in the same area. So should be interesting. Yes, that's exciting.
0: Yes, yeah, that would definitely something to look forward to. And I want to thank you, Gabe, too, if you if you listen to this for uh, for being willing to step in for Josh and let us do this. Yeah,
1: yeah, she she's the real MVP tonight. Um, but. Uh, Thank you, Sabres fans. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see you here soon. Uh, have a good night.